It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. With your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Hoff on the Mully and Haw Show on 6-7 The Score. Dan Weeder is from the Chicago Tribune. He covers the Bears and is at Hallis Hall. We are here on this Friday morning, days before the Bears and the Raiders play each other at Soldier Field in a battle of backup quarterbacks. It will be... Tyson Bajan for the Bears. It's likely to be Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell, unlikely to be Jimmy Garoppolo. So both teams will have backup quarterbacks. The Raiders come in three and three. The Bears, of course, one and five. Dan, this has been a week consumed by talk of Justin Fields' health and Tyson Bajan's ability. Yeah, no question. And it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, long these conversations last on both fronts. How long Justin is going to be out with the dislocated thumb? How long uh, the Tyson train continues down the tracks, right? We're, we're going to get an optimal opportunity on Sunday to watch how he plays in his first NFL start. And then onward we march, trying to figure out how the whole thing evolves from here in a season that obviously has got uh, a little bit of a directionless nature to it out of the first six weeks. Good word, directionless. Without a hyphen, we're going to be using it a lot, I sense, this <laughs> fall. <laughs> we already have. Let's get into a look at the t- at Tyson Bajan, the backup quarterback, in our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the, the opening drive. All right, Dan, so a lot's been said about the way that Tyson Bajan handled himself during his weekly press conference. And I have asked, and I, and I know that there's not a direct link between Wednesday performance and Sunday performance, but I do wonder if one is uh, uh, offers a, a glimpse or a preview of the other uh, because Tyson Bajan commanded the room. You were in it. I felt like he had a lot of uh, self-assuredness, uh, confidence without being cocky, and just yeah. the right amount of swagger for someone coming from where he came. Yeah, no, and I, I think you're right to kind of contextualize that the way you did. None of this is a, a predictor of, of on-field success, but you can get a glimpse into who the person is. And and really the first extended time that, that I listened to Tyson Bajan talk was in Indianapolis in the preseason. And I just remember walking out of that press room at Lucas Oil Stadium thinking like, man, that dude is super comfortable. You know what I mean? Like really comfortable in his own skin, really just, just, just calm and in whatever situation you put him into and it hasn't changed uh obviously this is a different situation here this week uh even than it was last week when he went into the game in relief of justin fields in the second half and you just um you feel a guy that 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 like is ready to go for it you know and i don't know how you couldn't root for that if you were a fan of the chicago bears it's okay to be skeptical of where the long-term uh, you know, story ends with Tyson Bajan, but in terms of the makeup of the kid and his underdog story and the way he's gotten here and the way he's approached it all, it's really pretty cool. One of the things, David, that I loved after the game on Sunday, you were there in that room at Soldier Field, was Tyson talking about how his confidence is rooted in the way he prepares and that he's never really feeling 
uh, settled until he has his brain wrapped around an entire game plan, until he has his uh, understanding of what's being asked to him and what's being asked to the guys around him. And then that's where he derives his confidence from. It was interesting then on Thursday morning to hear from offensive coordinator Luke Getze, who said that in his first kind of exposure to Tyson at the Senior Bowl and Mobile at the start of the week, he thought he was just kind of a, a an anxious, nervy kind of dude. And then by the end of the week, as he got more familiar with what was being asked of him and what the plan was for the game, all of a sudden he felt that confidence emerge. And so I think that was a, a pretty cool anecdote from January that's directly applicable to this obviously very pressure-packed first week as a starter here this week. The thing that you take away from listening to him or being around him is that as unlikely as this moment is – he was prepared for it and he's always been prepared for it, which brings us to what he had to say. So we've talked to a lot of people who you were there and who have commented on what they heard. Let's let our audience start to hear a gl glimpse of this because Tyson Bajan was asked about, did he ever think that a kid from Martinsburg, West Virginia would end up being a starting NFL quarterback? Here's what he had to say. My dad really were the only ones that really thought that this was going to happen. Um, and then, you know, after that, it was just, figuring out how I could outwork everybody that, you know, maybe had, maybe had more things that maybe had more things than I did, had better facilities and, you know, all that stuff. So it was just really just trying to, you know, get it out the mud, putting a lot of work in the, in the, in the shadow. And um, just so I'd be ready for, you know, this week. You have a backup plan if you didn't get the shot in the NFL. Yeah, I was going to um, just basically just crossfit my life away, get his, ripped and jacked as I possibly could <laughs> and uh, be a teacher at Martinsburg High School. <laughs> I love that. I mean, David, I love that. In the room at that time, like that was that was a moment for me where you're just like, that answer was so sincere. It was so direct. It was so quick. It was just like, this dude had, he had a plan B. He was going to go get shredded and teach high school. Um, you know, and then, and then you just marry that with him saying like, oddly, he always thought this was going to happen, which is that, that self-assuredness that I think has been an absolute uh fuel for, for the journey that he's been on from West Virginia to, to Shepherd University to now the Chicago Bears. And he, he got there by outworking people the way he described it. And he was talking about not having great facilities and getting out in the mud. You could almost hear the music in his ear pods, <laughs> you know, motivating him through those rainy day runs and in the weight room where there's one light in the corner and concrete and sand weights and all of these things. And maybe I'm projecting a little bit here, but you get the sense that this kid came from nothing and he always thought he could be something, which makes him an absolutely the easiest guy in the locker room to pull for. So it continued with our friend, Mark Potash. Who <laughs> great exchange here. <laughs> great exchange here because he was talking about what Tyson Bajan might have been doing a year ago and how different that is now. Listen, a, a year ago you were preparing for Westchester, and today you're preparing for the Raiders. What's the difference? Uh, the details, lot, you know, a lot of details. Obviously, the team I'm going against uh, Sunday is a little bit better than Westchester. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, the, the other team's a little bit smarter than 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 they were a year ago, and there's quite a bit more details than there were a year ago. So other than that, you still just you know play hard and operate in sync with the with the guys you got. But how are you not like overwhelmed when you look back at it from in that perspective, from you know D two to, to the NFL? How you know? Um, you know, I think my life has been planned out for me ahead of time. I think that everything that happened, that has happened and will happen, was already set in stone to happen. Um, and I think that, you know, coming where I, from where I come from, um, you know, I've pretty much beat every odd that there was for me. So, you know, I got nothing to lose. I'm just, you know, I'm going to go out there and, you know, fight with these guys to the death and, you know, try to stack up as many wins as I can until till we get Justin back. What's the score going to be Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Nice one. No comment. How about that? That was funny. That's a good line by Potsy and a good and a good uh, response by Tyson to just play along with the the bit for a second there. And I mean, it just tells you where where the kid's mindset is, and it's pretty it's pretty cool stuff right now. And the fact that his dad and Tyson were the only two to think that he could do this, or every parent of a kid can relate to that. You know, you're probably telling your son no rule out uh, being on the mound at Wrigley Field, and you know when you're his age, you can dream, and all all fathers and sons do that when they're growing up. This is just the, the rare case where reality is matching the dream. And, and I think it also it's not just that. It's more than that. That has created sort of this, this poise within him, a composure 
that the only way that this does translate into Sunday is that if things go off the rails as they tend to do with the Bears offense <laughs> and and you need to settle things down or, or instill confidence in a group that really needs it, once he gets more experience, you sense that he could be a guy where that comes very naturally. And that's what you want from your from your quarterbacks at any level. Well, right. And, you know, like to hear him also on Wednesday, just say that when he went into the game last week, he kind of reinforced with the coaching staff, like, don't don't water this down. Don't don't make it simplified just because I'm a 23 year old undrafted rookie. Like I've been preparing. I, I know the entire week uh, of game planning that we put in and I'm, I'm ready to run anything. And so um, I think that that is a. Uh, a confidence that that then provides trust from the coaching staff to, okay, this is what you're asking for. This is what we're going to do. Um, you know, Matt Eberflus was asked uh, early in the week about the things that, that he's seen in Tyson Bajan. I haven't worked with them really for the last six months. And I thought his answer was, was um, you know, pretty praise filled in terms of the things that, that the bears believe in. Here's some of what the head coach had to say. It's what he showed during training camp, you know, what he showed to this point, um, you know, his work habits, you know, his functional intelligence, uh, you know, on the football field, um, his acumen in, in the uh, classroom, you know, uh, being able to operate um, is very high. Um, he's able to chunk a bunch of information together and then simplify it in his mind to understand concepts. Um, I think his release is really quick. I like that. I like how he sees the field. Um, he's very, very patient, very poised in there. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good opportunity uh, uh, for, for Tyson. The, there, are, there are coaches who, I, I, I want to say this correctly, because it's, it's absurd to think that you lose your starting quarterback and anybody would, would uh, nobody is pleased about that development. I think it's the worst oh. case scenario for the Bears. But I do think there's a, there's something within every coach that when you get somebody like Tyson Bajant, who it's obvious what they value in him, it's obvious why they like uh, what he brings to the table and why he's made the team. There's part of Luke Getty, there's part of Matt Eberflus that is excited about this challenge because it is more of a true extension of their coaching when you have somebody who you sense is going to have to try to carry it out because they don't have maybe the skills or the athleticism to, to go uh, to, to freelance or to get outside of the line. So they're going to be very coachable, very focused, and it's very much going to be an extension of, of your coaching. Well, look, and I, I've tried to be very careful within this week of making sure that we kind of draw a line, you know, it can be in pencil for now between like the things that we say about, Tyson Bajan and not necessarily having those things include subtext about what we've said about Justin Fields. But I do think to one level where you can erase that pencil line is the fact that some of the things that Justin has struggled with are some of the things that they prop up as Tyson's strength. And it's getting the ball out quickly. It's seeing the field. It's understanding where the ball needs to go and, and having the ability to get it there quickly so that the skill players can make plays. That's one area where we can kind of draw a direct comparison after Sunday's game to see how it looks and how, how does it differ and, 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 and what, you know, what, what do we make of the interpretation of whatever the results are? That's going to be an interesting uh, thing for everybody that's followed this football team for a long time to figure out kind of, you know, what, what's here, what, what, what are we working with and, and what can it turn into? And, and as you know, obviously in the realm that you work full-time in, in sports talk radio, it can be very difficult to have some of those nuanced conversations <laughs> without them getting very distracted by right. people, you know, hearing things that they think that you're saying rather than than just taking it at face value this week i've been accused of being you know the full-fledged member of the bajancy and driving the bandwagon and being blind by that and blinded by that enthusiasm for what i see as a you know you talk about matt eberflus being the football coachiest of coaches this is the guy that you love as a football guy to see and hear and then i've been accused of saying you know give him a chance you're not, you're not being fair about his abilities and, and give him some credit. But I think it's more than just the outside noise. <clears throat> what strikes me as, as more pertinent, Dan, is, is the players and veterans, guys like Deontay Foreman, who spoke well about the way that Tyson Bajan combines those qualities, the poise and the passion. And this is what he had to say. It's just, you know, very uh, confident, passionate, um, you know, just somebody who expects to go out there and, and play well. You know, I, I think I get that sense from him. So, uh, you know, 
ultimately you got to go do it though. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, granted he gets that opportunity. Who does he remind you of, Dan? Does Tyson Bajit remind you of anybody when you listen to him, when you watch him, anything come to mind? No, honestly, no, there's not, there's not a lot. I don't know if you have somebody in mind. I just, I, I, I've been, I, I, I've been, the storyline appeals to me for obvious reasons, right? Like this is, this is why uh, people love sports. You've got, you've got this heavy underdog uh, operating with a fearlessness that he, as he said in that clip earlier, I've got nothing to lose. And he's taking his, his best shot at this. And it's, it's fun to monitor people that are, are in that, frame of mind because that's not an easy frame of mind to get in and he's already defied a lot of odds to get here so it's going to be going to be fun to, to watch it play out is there anybody that 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 he reminds you of yeah you know and then mostly demeanor than it is stylistically because he's not he's not the same kind of quarterback that rex grossman was but when rex grossman was a you know a rookie and then his first year as a starter then coming back from the injury all those things change about his his um his ability to play or, or his health, but nothing changed about his confidence. And he had this inner confidence yeah. with which he was raised. I mean, I knew his dad. So I think that maybe I knew a little bit more about their, their um, upbringing and how he was, how he was sort of prepared for this moment. And so when I heard Tyson Bajan talking about nobody, but my dad and I believed it. And, <laughs> and frankly, hearing about how he still thinks he, he wants to be great. He wants to be great. And I think that it reminded me of that inner confidence you heard from Rex Grossman when he came up. This is 20 years ago now. Yeah. yeah so it it's just, it re still resonates. And the only thing I would say to like a guy like Tyson Bajan, if, you know, if you ran into him Saturday night or Sunday before the game is you would want to remind him, I would want to remind him, you don't have to be great. Right. You, you, and just like I would I remember talking with Rex Grossman about this. Why do you, why do you asking him, like, why do you think you have to be great? You have to be good. You have to keep your job, but the pressure that you put on yourself to be great may ultimately end up being a disadvantage for you. And I would, I would try to caution Tyson Bajan in the same way. It's like, you know, this is great. Now, you being in this position, you have seized the opportunity. Now, don't try so hard to hit the home run that you strike out. And don't try to put so much pressure on yourself to be great because you know what? That's when bad things happen. Play within yourself and good things will happen because they always have. That's a, it's a tough balance beam to walk for sure. A couple last things for me on this topic. I really like one number. I like your Grossman comp because as polarizing of a quarterback as he was in this city, there are not very many teammates that have different sentiments of who Rex Grossman was. Guys love that dude. They love playing with him. They love playing for him. And, and, and you hear that from some of the legends of those teams, you know, in, in terms of their uh, just love of what, what Rex brought to the field and how much they, they wanted to go to battle with him. The other thing I had an opportunity on Thursday afternoon to talk to Robert Tunyon, who was a really good guy to talk to about this because of his own entry into the NFL as an undrafted free agent out of Indiana state and, and just kind of having a, a great appreciation in this moment of the, the energy and nerves that Tyson Bajan is feeling. He said, look like Tyson and I became good buddies during training camp. They would be in the sauna together every day after practice, just talking about the journey and, and, and talking about, you know, Robert being a guy now who's who's you know seven seasons into it and and Tyson who's just getting underway it was really really cool to hear that perspective the other part of it is we mentioned on um Monday one of my favorite throws from the game that Tyson Bajan had against the Vikings is a first down throw with a blitz coming to Robert Tunyon in the flat and and Robert Tunyon walked me through that play and said basically he's supposed to run an out and up on that play detects right before the snap that there's a blitz coming and decides that he's going to sit the route down on the sideline with, with basically a fingers crossed hope that his young undrafted rookie quarterback senses and sees the same things. Well, Bajan does. And he takes a massive hit from behind, gets the ball out, throws a strike to Tunyon. It's an 11 yard gain. And you've got this moment where, okay, now there's trust. You know, there's trust between quarterback and tight end. There's trust that the moment's not too big for this kid. And I, I thought that was really cool to hear um, from a guy, like I said, in Tunyon, who's been through something similar to, to make it to this point in his career. It's going to be a cool moment. It's going to be a cool game. I hope that he stays healthy. I hope he plays within himself. And, yeah, I think that everyone kind of hopes he plays well because of, of how likable he has become in a short period of time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place 
Go to your happy price, price line. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, so we'll just continue to monitor. What it did bring to mind was a lot of trips down memory lane, you know, the bears as Brad Biggs pointed out in, uh, in the Chicago Tribune and Chicago Tribune.com. This will be the 29th, 29th starting quarterback since yeah. 2000 for a franchise that has been cursed at the position. <laughs> so I've been here since 2003. I came up with my three best love it backup quarterbacks and the three worst backup quarterbacks in that time frame. That's uh, just in your 20 years, starting at 20, just in the 20 years, just since love I've it. been here and since 2003 and, you know, it's still a long list, Dan. There have been a lot of people through those doors. But disqualifies Henry Burris. I wasn't here for that. And, and um, Jim Miller, who was a backup at first. And certainly the most legendary backups of all time, Steve Fuller and Mike Tomczak, the only backups in Bears history to win a playoff game. But those guys, that's way in the past. I want to stay current times. So my three best, we'll stay positive for now. Kyle Orton. Yep who was a backup before he became a starter, before he became trade bait for Jay Cutler. Kyle Orton, Josh McCown. Yes. Everybody's best friend, good enough to be a starter, sparked a debate, Cutler versus McCown. That was a 2011, and you know what happened after that. And then I think the guy most responsible for what we're experiencing now, because we're still afflicted a little bit, with Caleb Hania. It's an epidemic that swept through Chicago. He is probably the third best backup quarterback. Caleb Haney at times could make you think he was going to be the truth, the real deal, the guy that would lead the Bears to the Super Bowl when he had to replace Jay Cutler. And then <laughs> then maybe, maybe not. But I do like a lot what he had to offer. I also liked him personally. That can't you can't get out of out of uh, you can't escape from those realities. But Orton, McCown, and Caleb Haney would be the three best with an asterisk, maybe number four, Brian Greasy, who was an overlooked member of that 2016. Well, I loved one and two, three. I would push back on you because for something I wrote uh, in my storylines piece at Chicago Tribune.com, Caleb Haney was put, put forth a very admirable effort in that NFC championship game in relief uh, against the Packers at Soldier Field. But then the next year when the seven and three bears lost Jay Cutler to Guess what? A thumb injury. Caleb Haney made his first start against, guess who? The Raiders. And it was the first of four starts that he lost. He lost all four of those starts and, and threw nine interceptions in those four games. And the Bears went from seven and three to seven and seven, finished the year at eight and eight. And it was just a fizzle and a, and a fart sound. But at the, at the end of that experience. He could be on both lists, actually. <laughs> he was good enough to trust in the NFC Championship game and bad enough to go on for the year after. So I, I think that's a good one. And again, I am not beyond being influenced by my relationship with the young man because he was really likable. All right, three worst. I'll put Haney fourth on my <laughs> three. Okay, just he's on both lists. The worst backup quarterback in Bears history, and I think this may even be – I'm going back to 2003, but I don't think they could come any worse than Jonathan Quinn. That was 04, I think, right? I think it was Lovey's first year. 2004, Terry Shea was his offensive coordinator. The first time I interviewed Jonathan Quinn on the backfields of Bourbon A, his voice shook and his hands trembled. I can't imagine what he was like trying to call play in the huddle. He was nervous talking to reporters. He did not fit the part. He was the opposite of poised, and he was bad on the field. He was number one, and I think it's easily. Number two, Todd Collins. He had the single-digit uh, passer rating against Washington when he had to be pressed into action bad enough that where teammates would, would be known to – mock his throwing motion teammates did not really think they had much confidence in him todd collins would be the guy number two number three this is mostly for some of my notre dame brethren who remember him 
when he was coming out of limousines and, and going to to uh, Notre Dame. But Jimmy Clausen did not live up to the billing as a Bears quarterback. He was bad. He was overmatched and he was exposed. He would be on my list of bad, the three worst Bears backups since 2003. Interesting personal footnote. You would have been at this game as well. But I was in the stands at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte on uh, what year would it have been, but it was Collins versus Clawson, Bears versus Panthers. And I think Matt Forte had two early touchdowns and it was a, a, a Bears win. But after Forte scored those two early touchdowns, it was like the worst display of quarterbacking play that you would ever find in an NFL game ever. And that one still leaves a mark to anyone that was in attendance at that game or watched that game. I don't know if you remember that one. It was offensive to all quarterbacks it everywhere. It was take, taking football back 50 years. Yes, studs wonders. Where's Craig Krenzel? Dr. Krenzel. I think, is he a doctor now? I'm just being polite because he was probably 4A or 4B. <laughs> he was not. Uh, as an NFL quarterback, he was a great student because he was a guy that was there because of his cerebral nature. Uh, you could add many others to the list. Jim, I think Jimmy Clausen also was uh, in Seattle, uh, part of the 10 possessions, 10 punts game, which was, that's that's another that's another moment that's only only the Bears could pull off. How about Chad Hutchinson, who was so bad in preseason 2005, he had a bad game on a Friday and was shown the door on a Monday, he, never to return. I don't think we've ever gotten a quote from Chad Hutchinson about his Bears tenure because nobody could find him after that. He's surfing somewhere. But he was so good the year before that they brought him back for the second year, right? So this is this is the life we live. And uh, yeah. like I say, who knows how long uh, Tyson time will last. Uh, but but in the meantime, like you, you should be able to get yourself to a point where you can just appreciate, as I talked about earlier, just appreciate the swing that this kid is going to give this thing and not get caught up in, in big picture conclusions or interpretations. Let's just let's just see what he does with this opportunity and, and take it uh, each step of the way. Enjoy the badgentry, if you will, and we will. <laughs> so let's move on with our numbers game. All right, Dan, each week you got a, a package in the Chicago Tribune, some key numbers. What uh, ones you want to highlight this week? ChicagoTribune.com, you can find it. We will rattle off four here today. One in five, that's the Bears' record so far this season's worst start since 2016 when John Fox was still here. 11th time in the Super Bowl era, David, that the Bears have started at one in five or worse. That's too many times to be off to that bad of a, a season. The 1969 uh, Bears under Jim Dooley and 1997 under Dave Wanstead hold the uh, the record for futility in the Super Bowl era. Both started 0-7 to start those seasons. Matt Eberflus, author of this current one in five start, has yet to win two games in a row oh as the coach gosh. of the Bears. The never only other the two games, o- no, the never back to back. Only other team in the last two seasons that hasn't experienced at least two consecutive wins is the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, that's bad. All right, that, that's All right. A, that's a good one. All right, uh, the next number is nine. It's the number of Bears quarterbacks to start in the last nine meetings against the Raiders. Tyson Bajant would be 10 in 10 outings. I'll re- read off this list really quickly. Justin Fields, Chase Daniel, Jay Cutler, Caleb Haney, Brian Greasy, Cordell Stewart, Shane Matthews, Dave Craig, and Jim Harbaugh. So the Raiders never get to see the same Bears quarterback twice. Harbaugh actually started games in 90 and 93, so he was the last Bears quarterback to start two consecutive games against the Raiders. Another little twist on what we just talked about in the previous segment. Whatever happens to that Harbaugh guy? What's he doing these days? I don't know. I hear you're lobbying for him to come back and be a co-host on the Take the North podcast. Now. Have I said that already? I don't know. <laughs> he could, While he's in town, he could coach the team. Okay, what's the next one? All right. Uh, more encouraging numbers here. Uh, the first one is six. It's the number of Tyson Bajan passes that went to DJ Moore. Last Sunday against the Vikings, Tyson threw 14 passes in that game. Six of them went to his top receiver, completed four of them for 44 yards. And as we all know, he was targeting DJ Moore on that fateful interception that sealed the Bears' loss. Uh, That was a play that Luke Getze talked about uh, on Thursday and said, look, like the play was there. And even though Tyson said on Wednesday that in retrospect, he wishes he had found his check down, if his footwork had been a little cleaner and he had just hit his hitch once and let the ball fly, there might have been a play to be made there badly underthrown. But I think it is encouraging that he knew to look in the direction of his top playmaker often. And so that we'll see how that carries over into Sunday. Okay. So you probably have one more, but I wanted to ask about one that I saw this week and wanted to bring you to your attention. I said, I need to save that for the podcast. I saw it reported, I believe it was Courtney Cronin from ESPN, and maybe this is something that has been bandied about the beat, but 30. The number is 30, and that's a number of different offensive line combinations <laughs> that Matt Eberflus 
has had to use or the Bears have used in Matt Eberflus's 23 games. 30 different offensive line combinations in 23 games. Is that accurate? Uh, I believe that is correct. Mark Potash has been tracking this every snap of the way uh, since the start of 2022. I mean, it, it, you, you, they haven't had the, the same starting combination in back-to-back weeks. It, it's it's insane how how reshuffled that offensive line has been and will continue to be. We'll get into that a little bit later because that's a big nugget coming out of Hallis Hall this week is, is the instability up front and what it possibly looks like with a surprise addition to this week's injury report and so yikes right like that's that that's that's one you star um just to give you one more positive number okay. i got one more it's eight and it's the bears rank in the nfl in rushing defense they're allowing 89.5 yards per game they're a top 10 rushing defense right now the last two outings they, they've held the vikings to 46 yards on 22 rushes they held the commanders to 29 yards on 10 rushing attempts there is no coincidence that they've been better on third down with their ability to stop the run last year the bears finished 31st in the league allowing 157.3 yards per game we talked a lot about their inability to stop the run well guess what they've suddenly emerged as a as a a defense that's allowing 89.5 not a single back has gotten over 75 yards on them this season josh jacobs comes to town on sunday let's see if they can continue That's a great stat considering Josh Jacobs coming to town trying to get well against the Bears because of reputation more than this year's results. But I think there's a lot of factors that may contribute to them being better against the run. A top 10 defense against the run represents progress. I think Andrew Billings has a lot to do with that. It's not just him, but that's a good place to start. Josh Jacobs and the Raiders without Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, will try to establish the run against the Bears. That could be one of the bigger matchups in terms of unit versus unit. And that could be something that dictates how we predict the game. We'll get to those predictions in a moment, though. I want to touch on the offensive line because you mentioned it, and there's a lot to go through. How how would you describe – the latest twist in the offensive line configuration. Yeah, well, Thursday afternoon, Darnell Wright is out of practice with a shoulder issue. He uh, was a limited participant on Wednesday, and and so now you ask, okay, what does this mean? And and we didn't have a chance after practice to talk to anybody on the coaching staff to get a clearer picture of, of what's ailing Darnell Wright and what could possibly be in line for Sunday. We do know that your preferred starting five that you went to, uh, you know, training camp hoping to start, Braxton Jones, still on IR. Cody Whitehair situation a little bit up in the air. Tevin Jenkins back from IR and now trying to, 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 to find some consistency there. Nate Davis out, high ankle sprain. Darnell Wright currently on an exercise break during practice with, with a shoulder issue. So w- what do you do? What's the reshuffling? Are they going to keep Lucas Patrick at center? Is Does Cody Whitehair have a starting job or is he going to be relegated to a backup role, which would be new for a guy who's made 113 career starts since arriving here eight seasons ago? Uh, what do you do at right tackle if Darnell Wright's out? Is that Jatari Carter? who's a little bit undersized for the position, but has that experience in college of playing the tackle position. Is he your next man up at right tackle? I don't know where you go. And this is another situation. You mentioned 30 different combinations. My God, like there's a whole mix and match possibility here for this week that we're just going to have to kind of wait and get to pregame on Sunday and, and see where they're, where they're lining up uh, and, and hope that maybe Matt Eberflew shed some light on it on, on Friday after practice. Cody Whitehair sounded like a beaten man and defeated mentally and really downcast on Wednesday. Dan will Will his state of mind have anything to do with whether the Bears play him on Sunday or not? No, I don't think so, because I think Cody's a, a pro and I think he's able to steady himself. I think you're right in saying that, look, like he's very frustrated when you when when you are a veteran, when you're a former team captain, when you're a guy that, that the, the organization has leaned on to take on a lot of different roles over his seven and a half seasons now. Um you take pride in what you do. And when it falls short of your own professional standards, you feel frustrated and you feel down. And when you get benched because of your performance dip, it adds a whole nother layer uh, of psychological uh, turbulence that you've got to deal with. Cody is uh, owning it. I-, I think he understands that his snapping issues may be part mental and, and certainly are not up to standard. And now he's just got to, got to figure out what his role is for this given week and then dive headfirst into it. And like I say, if it's a starting role at one of those guard positions, if it's a backup role, be ready because as we've just mentioned, backups are needed a lot <laughs> on the Chicago Bears offensive line. And so there's no time to just take an exhale and, and, and feel sorry for yourself. Well paid backup, third highest paid player on the team, I believe. He'll earn $11 million this year, 9.8 in base salary. So I would think that if he's healthy, if he's 
you know, able to play. He should play. You can't tell me that even without now that Darnell Wright could be out too. He's got to be one of your best five. Find a way to put him in a good position to succeed. But we'll continue to watch what's going on with the offensive line. It's a mess. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's bring in Adam Sadzinski and do our predictions because this one, at least for people who gave it a lot of thought, I don't know how much you thought with your head or your heart, Adam, but it was a, this is a tough game to figure out because the Bears are at home. The Raiders are playing without Garoppolo. There's a lot of factors you could point to either way. What's your prediction for Sunday on the lakefront? Uh, real quick before I get to the predictions because you're, you're – trip down memory lane for backup quarterbacks triggered something in my memory. I I maintain that I would disagree with you on your backup worst backup rankings. I maintain that Todd Collins is the worst quarterback I've ever seen on an NFL. Must field. have been at that Panthers game. It, no, I was it wasn't it wasn't just that. I was watching from from home. I was in college at the time. But like he was so bad. Everything about him was bad. He didn't even look like he belonged on the field. Like it was so bad and so startlingly bad to the point that I couldn't believe in the NFC championship when Jay Cutler got hurt that he was still their backup quarterback. And I had to look this up. He came in and I think he had one drive. He went over yeah. four and they're like, okay, enough of this. And comes Caleb. Haney, yep. Right. I couldn't believe he was still the backup. And Good I couldn't memory. believe they. Yeah, and so anyway, yeah, people forget that he came into that game. I remember that vividly. Yeah, Yeah. holy terrible. So anyway, (laughs) I tell this to get to the story about when he came into that game. So after Cutler got hurt, and we're watching this at my my house in college, right? And Cutler gets hurt. He tries to come back, and then he leaves, and we're like, damn it. And then we see Todd Collins come into the game. (laughs) And my friend was so upset. We had this like busted, you know, one of those big like tube TVs. We had a broken one that wasn't working anymore off in the corner of the living room that we were getting ready to get rid of. And we had a little football, a, a football helmet on our coffee table in the living room. My friend was so upset he grabbed the helmet and ripped it across the room and threw it into the TV. Oh boy! And he said, "What the?" <laughs> like, so anyway, that's just a that's very where we were. Movie. That's a, that, that is a yeah. broken, expensive frustration. But it was already broken, right? So he yeah, had- oh yeah, it was already yeah. We were throwing it out. He didn't throw it into the TV. We were watching the game <laughs> on. But he might as well have because the rest of the game was you know not tough to watch. So <laughs> anyway, I say that because again, I I still think Todd Collins. Maybe it's just my rage from that moment. I still think Todd Collins is the You're worst. Entitled. It's still yeah. it's still fresh. Yeah, and plus I was in 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 fairness, I was. 14 at the time that Jonathan Quinn played for the Bears. So I don't remember a whole, I remember seeing him, but I don't remember a whole lot about him actually playing. So you're probably right about that. (laughs) Anyway, uh, my prediction for the game, I think that this game, uh, you guys said it hard to predict. It's probably more of a coin flip game. Too bad. Not bad. Two backup quarterbacks playing could potentially be two bad quarterbacks. I don't think Brian Hoyer is any good, but I I don't know. At this point, I don't know how to predict this team. I haven't been able to predict this team, team properly in over a year. So I'm just going to say Raiders 5, Bears 3, and it's going to be a <laughs> terrible game, and I'll be pleasantly surprised if they win and, and something goes right. There'll be Plus. more scoring in the NLCS. 
Maybe yeah, not. Right. You don't know. <laughs> I mean, look, like there's going to be some good three-word reviews if it's five to three on, on Sunday. So You we'll know, I'll add, I'll add another twist to it. I'll say that the Raiders win on a safety in overtime. <laughs> Get the ball out, Tyson. Get the ball out. It's supposed <laughs> to be one of your strengths. Um, I, I, I've struggled with this. I was in the press room a little while ago, racking my brain, trying to figure out which way to go. I, I've never been this consistently flustered trying to pick games for a team uh, as I am with this group because I don't know what to expect. When you look at it on paper, you say, look, the Raiders have Max Crosby and Devontae Adams, probably the best two players on those sides of the balls. That should give them an advantage. But they've got quarterback instability. And Devontae Adams is speaking out this week and saying, you're not using me right. And it, it feels like there are things in disarray with the Raiders. The Bears feel like they're set up for an opportunity to have kind of that spike of like, let's use this fresh start with Tyson Bajan to get on the right track. And then I look at the offensive line and I go, W on my paper right here below me, I wrote WTF City next to the old line here. So I, I I don't know what to expect. That said, this kind is of a moved f- in there, didn't you, Dan? Don't you this, kind of rent there? This is yes, yeah, it's cheap rent. Uh, <laughs> it's getting very populated though. Uh, it is a uh, flustered and confused prediction, but I'm going Bears 23, Raiders 20, and I don't have any conviction or confidence in it whatsoever. I never, and, I, and I know I gave you a different a different call on the air, David, on, on Wednesday on 670 I, the score, and that tells you how absolutely uh, perplexed I am at this. I time. never thought I'd see a day where Dan picked the Bears and I didn't. That's crazy. <laughs> that's unprecedented. That's crazy. That's a that's a moment for the Take the North podcast. Um, that's interesting. I can't wait to to amplify this tomorrow on Friday morning on the, on the show. <laughs> Um, yeah, Dustin, Dustin will have a field day. Yeah, this will be great. All right, I, I think that with the Bears, they are difficult to predict because you just don't know. Uh, and you had, I look at it, the Raiders are coming in three and three, and while they're disappointed in their start, they are still three and three. They've won three football games. Their defense is as good as any in the NFL at preventing explosive plays. They've given up ten of twenty or more yards. That's ranked number one. The Bears have, I think they're going to have a problem with getting explosive plays without Justin Fields. So I think they're going to move the chains. They're going to try to get, get uh, uh, Tyson Bajan going in rhythm. I just not sure that they can block Max Crosby. I'm not sure that they can keep um, the Raiders from confusing the young quarterback with blitzes. And I think that it's going to be probably a turnover that does them in. I do think they will be competitive. The bears um, will play a better defense like they have 24, 19 Raiders. Okay. I I will say just as we finish up this segment, I don't think there's any outcome from this game I'd be shocked by. Like Yeah, I'm with you. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm totally with you. Although no matter- I would I would be fairly stunned if the if the Bears walked away with it. Bears but, blowout might be shocking. Yeah, 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 that might be shocking. Those are always shocking. Though. The Bears blowout would be shocking to everybody except for Tyson and Travis Bajant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Who expect they believe. blowout. They yeah, believe. they believe. Maybe we get right. Bears defensive touchdown. Who knows? May- that would be great. Let's wrap things up with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. Deontay Foreman spoke this week. Rashawn Johnson still in concussion protocol. Dan, what's the latest with the running back situation? And is there any clarity about who is there to get the tough yard? Yeah, you you mentioned it. Rashawn Johnson still in the concussion protocol. Seems like the stage is cleared again uh, for Deontay Foreman to be your lead back. And he has an opportunity, I think, now to improve on uh, the performance he had a week ago against the Vikings. I'd actually look for the Bears to lean heavily on him with a rookie quarterback and a defense that, that, as you mentioned, doesn't give up a lot of explosive plays. This might be a chance to to really establish your running game and ride Deontay Foreman. It'd be interesting to see how he responds. Eddie Jackson played only 12 snaps last Sunday. 14. 14, I'm sorry. I, I, those two, I forgot those two. They were memorable. <laughs> 14 snaps, and then Matt Eberflew said he was available if needed. What's going on with Eddie Jackson? Is there anything more to the story than, than they're sharing with us? I'm sure there probably is, but – What's your take on what's going on with the veteran safety? Yeah, Eddie Jackson out of practice again on Thursday afternoon. Uh, Matty Brafu said earlier in the week that the, the foot injury just flared up and that they're they're trying to be patient with with the way that thing is recovering. Remember, you first heard it in Tampa in week two. That's a long way back now. And so to come back, uh, you know, I think you and I talked at the end of last week and saying, man, like listening to Eddie Jackson talk about his, his foot, it felt like, he, you know, he wasn't going to play. And then he tried to play and then he, 
had it flare up and he was not able to play again. And it's just, it's troubling when you get to this stage and you're having recurring problems with the same issue. I don't know what they do from here. Um, you know, to Elijah Hicks's credit, we haven't mentioned his name a lot. And I think that's a good thing because he hasn't, you know, been exposed as a guy yeah. who can't, who can't, hold it down back there. And so uh, that's probably the direction that they may be leaning to go again with Eddie's uh, availability uncertain one more time. Big challenge for Jalen Johnson. I think this is a big week because Devontae Adams has come forward. He has complained. I don't have a big problem with it. I'm surprised that my reaction was what it was when this news broke. He is Devontae Adams, though. He's had nine targets in two games. I would probably be unhappy as well, even though he's averaging about 10 targets per game, just like he has throughout the course of his career. He wants the ball. And my sense is whoever's playing quarterback is going to throw it to him early and often. I wouldn't be surprised if Devontae Adams gets 15 targets on Sunday. And Jalen Johnson, uh, if he travels with them, as I would do if I'm the Bears defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, it's going to be a big challenge for a guy who I think is up to it, knows Devontae Adams well. How big is that matchup, and what was your reaction to some of the things said this week? Well, look, like Jalen Johnson has always raised his hand to to be the guy that travels uh, with Devontae Adams. He did it as a second year cornerback two years ago uh, with with Devontae still in Green Bay, and he was he was pretty good. Although at the end of the night, the Packers found ways to to move Devontae around enough to the point where he I think he had 120 yards and two touchdowns and so um, there's a lot of things you can do from an offensive standpoint to play chess against a, a traveling cornerback we'll see which direction the Bears lean your uh, old friend John Hoke talked about that a little bit on Thursday afternoon uh, just the ability that 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 offenses have to, to dictate those matchups more so than the defense does but you've always loved Jalen's fearlessness you've always loved his his thirst for the best players uh, to go against. And this is an opportunity. He didn't see Justin Jefferson last week. He gets Devontae Adams once again. And he talked on Monday about just kind of having that mutual respect back and forth where those are two competitors, two guys who are, are elite with their competitiveness going at each other. And we'll see who gets the best of it. We'll take a deeper dive on this later in the season or closer maybe to the trade deadline. Jalen Johnson's name has come up. He openly discussed that speculation on the Parkinson Spiegel show and I, I struggled the next morning to kind of try to put some things in perspective. I think I referred to him as probably a top 10 to 14 cornerback, maybe by middle of the pack, um, which would bring him a lot of money. And, and I don't think you get better as an organization letting talent continue to walk through the door. Where do you think that one's headed before the trade deadline, October 31st? Yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't see it happening um and that's just kind of an educated guess that that like first of all these things as we've talked about previously they have to align with competing teams needs you know right like so teams that are going after it this year have to have a glaring need at starting cornerback and to to give away draft capital to try to come get a guy like that i also think the bears would like to see something work out i know they haven't gotten there at this stage i think part of it going into the season was let's see Jalen, how durable you can be. Let's see, can you take that next step as a guy who has more ball production in your game in addition to, to the way you, you, you shadow uh, top receivers and try to, to take them out of games. And so I, I think ultimately the Bears would love to have him back as part of their core in 2024. They, I don't think they need to make rash moves. One of the reasons that the Roquan Smith move was made a year ago was because they felt like they had hit a negotiating wall and that there was no getting through that wall. And so off Roquan went, I don't see this being in the same ballpark as that. And so I would uh, expect that Ryan Poles would be patient enough to, to kind of let the season play out and then try to try to get a, an extension done when the season ends. Or and eight. they could still do that, right? I mean, they could they could maybe make sure that they don't that they maintain the last right of refusal or whatever the case is. I mean, just because if they keep him at the trade deadline, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be allowed to walk into free agency and get nothing in return or that he's not going to sign a contract to stay. Yeah, no question. And you can sign him well before the free agent market opens. This happens a lot of times with guys that are projected to, to hit the open market and they never get there. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's an, an interesting wor- one worth noting. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't anticipate the bears necessarily being involved in anything at the trade deadline. I'm, I'm uh, I've been wrong before <laughs> on this topic, but it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Last thing I have, which ex bear are you looking forward to seeing the most on Blah Nichols? Yeah. I was going to say Jesper <laughs> Horstead. Uh, yeah. Jesper. He had, uh, he had a, a touchdown catch, I believe from Justin Fields in the, in the last time that the bears and Raiders played in Las Vegas. So uh, now he's on the other side of things. Uh, I remember uh, Fields 
threw to him several times in a preseason game in Nashville uh, in a moment that felt bigger than now that we look back in retrospect that it actually was. And as, as Studs points out, it was Justin Fields' first NFL touchdown pass to Jesper Horstead. In the preseason or in, the, in that Raiders game? I think it was in the Raiders game, perhaps. I made a big deal about it because Justin made a really nice throw and he, he read the defender's back to know which direction the ball needed to go. I, re, I remember the play vividly, and that was in a, in a game where Justin managed the game well and they snuck out of, of Las Vegas with a victory, which, uh, you, as you know, uh, Vegas Haw, can always be uh, a difficult thing to do is to get out of Vegas with a victory. I just confirmed my own memory. Yeah, Jesper Horstead did catch his first preseason touchdown and his first NFL touchdown. How about that? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's quite a, that's quite a distinction. So he's going to have a trip down memory lane, coming back to ha- coming back to soldier field. I would think here's another one maybe. Uh, and, and again, my memory's a little bit fuzzy, but Brian Hoyer, if he starts his last victory as a starting quarterback was for the Chicago bears in 2016, who'd right? Who'd he beat? He beat the Raiders. No, who did he? Didn't he beat? Who did he beat? I can't remember who. Faster studs fingers to to look this up. I'm trying to look it up myself. I know he lost to the uh, to the Colts in the game where he didn't see Alshon Jeffrey wide open for the possible game winning touchdown. Let's see here. Let's let's go through this. We'll find it very fast. I promise. Brian Uh, Hoyer. Also, while you're looking, he's one of two Bears quarterbacks to have thrown for 300 or more yards in three successive games. So he can get hot. He can be dangerous, and he can lead a team down the field, as we have seen him do. And he was a good guy to interview. He, I liked Brian Hoyer in my recollection of him with he, the John Fox Chicago Bears. Four consecutive 300-yard performances. The last victory within those was a 17-14 win over the Detroit Lions. That was at Soldier Field. I don't remember much about that game. I do know that Brian Hoyer suffered a broken bone. What was it? It was in Lambeau Field. Uh, whatever it was, because I remember they were putting up the X, you know, the, the camera shouldn't focus in on that. Was it an arm? Was it a leg? I don't remember. It was a, a fractured bone, but I know that opened the doors for the Matt Barkley experience, which then lasted oh a little while. How did he escape my list? Oh my gosh. <laughs> he played pretty well until that five interception game at the end of that season. Yeah. I felt like my list could have included Barkley and Peterman, but there's just, you know, there's only so much bad you can fit in a list that has three goes. Hey, Matt Barkley deep. was fun for a few weeks and then he wasn't. Yeah, that's kind of like the story of every backup quarterback. <laughs> Let's hope it's not the story of Tyson Bajan. We will be here Sunday night to react to whatever Tyson Bajan does and the Chicago Bears do against the Raiders at Soldier Field. Noon kickoff. Looking forward to that, Dan. Anything we left out? No. Uh, you know, really uh, productive week here at House Hall. I think there were a lot of good conversations to be had. I'll, I'll tease this for maybe next week or the, the following week. Had a, a, a good long discussion with uh, rookie receiver Tyler Scott, maybe some of the audio we can share on the podcast, who's really, um, I think, immersed in his development is a good way to put it. This is a kid who's really, uh, you know, a running back coming out of high school now, still trying to figure out the nuances of being a receiver. And his opportunity is, is opening up wider with the, the, the attrition in the Bears receiving core. We'll see what he does on Sunday. That's a good tease. We will look forward to that conversation and maybe even that audio. All right. For Adam Szynski, for Dan Weeder, I'm David Hall from the Mullen Haw Show. We will be back Sunday night to react to the Bears and the Raiders. Thank you for listening to the Take the North Pod on your free Odyssey app. Watch us on the 670 Scores YouTube page. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Take the North. Great talk. See you out there.